Hello, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Versecast, the Star Citizen podcast. I'm John Abraham. Unfortunately, Cable, c- Cable could make it. Caleb, Caleb could not make it this week. Uh, I am John, who is called Gleep, and this is episode seven of the Versecast, recorded November fourth, two thousand fourteen. This week, our exciting PAX Australia recap what some other fans are saying about it, and apparently Chris Roberts can't pronounce threes, and much, much more. But first, following up from last time, you know what, John? There's nothing to follow up on. We wow. are just that good. Can you believe it? <laughs> I went back through and listened to the uh, whole episode, and there were no, hey, let's look that up for next times. So I'm impressed. I think, I think we're getting better. We actually knew something. <laughs> or or we're we're too uh too not uh not savvy to know that we didn't know. <laughs> but anyway. So uh let's move right into the official CIG news and I think the biggest news this la- since last time we recorded is PAX Australia and the big FPS reveal. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the uh, the subtitle for the presentation was "Aim for the Head, Shoot for the Stars." Nice. With the holidays coming up, it's kind of warm and fuzzy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it gives you hope. Yeah, especially <laughs> the the aiming for the head part. <laughs> exactly. So, um, uh, did you get a chance to watch the uh, FPS demo? I did, and I was quite impressed. Yeah. What did uh, What did you think about it? Uh, well, starting off, um, it shows a bunch of guys in, in, uh, what's the ship called again? Uh, the Redeemer. The Redeemer. And this is the ship that won the next great starship, um, which I was surprised to see, uh, ready, you know, hangar ready, mm-hmm. um, which it is now. Um, but it was pretty cool seeing people, the guys, uh, sitting in the back of this ship, uh, going into this, uh, what was it, a space station or something? Yeah. Um, you know, flying in, you know, they're all ready, and uh, the animations were, like, totally done. It looked really nice. Uh, they jump out, and they they start running through the hallways, and it's, um, it's like, super, it's like uh, Rainbow Six, you know? It's kind of, you're not just running in there and going crazy. Uh, they were they're being calculated about it, and the movement was pretty slow, uh, so you kind of have to you kind of have to do that. Um, but did it, it seem uh, more realistic to you? It it did seem pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. It it's this isn't Call of Duty, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of I'd say it probably is gonna feel kind of like Planet Side mixed with Rainbow Six. Okay. Um, but it just, it looks so amazing, you know, the graphics. At certain points, you can see uh, reflections in puddles on the ground. Yeah. And <laughs> it just looks so good. And the weapons look look really nice. I mean, it's just a full-fleshed first-person shooter, even at mm-hmm. this point. This is, like, the first thing we've seen and it already looks fantastic. So that demo was like nine or ten minutes long. I definitely uh, suggest that you go check it out. Um, I'm 
like I've said time and time again, I am really into FPS, and this this has really got me stoked. Like, I, I can't wait to play this. Yeah, I thought it was uh, visually just stunning. Um, it uh, the And Chris mentioned up front before they started the demo, because there was the opening montage that you described with the Reclaimer coming in, and there was the talk uh, between the troops on the Reclaimer getting ready for uh, doing this, in, I guess you would call it an insertion or um, um, incursion. Um, and Chris pointed out that the entire sequence there was rendered in-game, that that was not something that was done outside of the game. So the level of fidelity that we see there in that um, presentation or in that particular uh, clip is what we're actually going to see when playing the game. So that was, I thought, really, really exciting. Yeah, you know, I don't think they've actually shown any pre-rendered footage ever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the commercials, I suppose... You know, commercials for the ships probably uh, were done outside of... Uh, if they weren't done in-engine, in-gameplay mode, they were certainly done um, uh, using uh, in-game assets. So Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was like they had... So they had the two teams in there. They had the Marines versus the Outlaws. And ooh, we should mention off, off the top, they had a little... Uh, at the beginning of the... Uh, stream from uh, PAX, they had a little cosplay segment to open it up, which was kind of cool, with uh, Sandy Gardner dressed up in her pirate outfit, <laughs> and uh, and then Chris and uh, Aaron showed up and uh, um, arrested her, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> uh, but uh, so in the game, you had you had uh, outlaws, and then you had marines, and uh, they did the uh, the first encounter, which you described. Um, and then they had another one where they went into zero G, and uh, I thought that that was uh, was extremely cool. Yeah, did they have they explained how you'll be able to move around if you don't have like a jet pack or something? No, they haven't, and it was um, it was not. I mean, it looked like guys were sort of pushing off of stuff, so I don't know exactly how that would work. I know in games that are not as realistic or not intended to be simulations like Borderlands, you know, when you jump in low gravity, um, it, it's you get an exaggerated response. But I, I'm, I'm guessing that it's going to be something similar to that, though. If you bounce into a wall, what are you going to do? Are you going to punch the wall or... Um, I, I guess I, I guess I don't understand. I don't have experience with the FPS control scheme in the game yet enough to be able to make an, an educated guess on that. Yeah, I wonder if it'll be, you know, uh, WASD maybe inverted. So like if you're come you're gonna crash into a wall on your left, you would press A, which typically would make you move left, but Pressing A makes your arm like push against that wall and make you move to the right. So maybe yeah. it would be you know like inverted WASD. I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. I mean, maybe you played a little bit of Guild Wars too, didn't you? Yes. Remember um, in there, there was uh, if you double tapped on A, you would jump to the left. 
Yeah. Um, so maybe it'll be something like that. Maybe there will be a shortcut where you can uh, initiate a, a push-off by doing a double tap one way right. or the other. I don't know. We'll have to we'll have to see. But I mean, and you know, like all of these things, it seems like we we come out of it with our jaw dropped and think how cool that was. But then, you know, shortly thereafter, we have more questions than we had before the, <laughs> the yeah. thing was shown. Um, so one thing that came to my mind was we don't see what happens with the death mechanic in this. Right. Um, we did see that guys died. Um, they would report over the comms, you know, I'm down or I'm out. Uh, but then they were back for the next encounter. So is is that going to work like, um, I'm trying to think of, a, of an online uh, arena type shooter where if you die, you have to wait until the next encounter starts. Is it going to go like that? But then they were also mentioning permadeath. You know, and then what is so it can't be like it's going to be in the PU where you die and then you're uh, you're next in line. Your your inheritor uh, is going to be the next person to play. I mean, because that wouldn't work for an FPS module, do you think? No, because it's supposed to be designed like Arena Commander. You know, it's just a technically it's just a simulation within the game. Mm hmm. So I would think that maybe they would have multiple modes and maybe a mode that did have respawning and then more hardcore modes that didn't have respawning. Mm-hmm. Um, in Call of Duty, uh, most of the modes do have respawning, uh, but there's one called Search and Destroy where once you die, you can't respawn until the next round. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking you know, maybe they'll, they will have both, but... I'd like to see both. I'd like to see hardcore playlists and uh, less hardcore ones that had respawning or at least respawning on a timer, you know, like 10, 15 seconds or something. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the answer may be really obvious, but it's just I haven't heard anyone say it yet. So that's Well, they that's might not like... even be to that point yet. You know, mm-hmm. they've just built all this stuff. Maybe they don't know what kind of modes they're going to be putting into the module. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it, it is kind of far out at this point. So we're looking at, like, at least two months, I think, until this comes out. Well, end of the year, so... Oh, um, did they say end of the year? I thought they said beginning of next year. Uh, I believe this is going to be... Oh, I'm sorry, you're correct. Um, Arena Commander version 1.0 is by the end of this year, so the FPS module oh, okay. is early next year, so... okay. Yeah, so so yeah, hopefully the, um we'll get more information on that. I'm excited to to see what kinds of modes are going to be in there and um it'd be nice if they had maybe even a progression system right there at the beginning cuz mm-hmm. that's something that I enjoy in in shooters. That's what uh kind of brings me back. Although I do like TF2, which uh doesn't have any sort of progression at all. You just uh, get random weapon drops, so right. I don't know. I if I can shoot a gun in in a first person mode, then I'm usually happy. <laughs> You'll find some way to get happy. <laughs> well, I mean, because that's interesting. You think about Arena Commander now, when you don't, there are no drops. There's just you. You get to keep fighting uh, until you either run out of ammo and then get uh, killed by somebody else, or in the racing module you 
get to keep racing until you crash and then you uh, respawn and get to continue racing. So, right. you know, I haven't heard anything that leads me to believe there's going to be, well, certainly there's not going to be any XP because I think they've been uh, pretty clear from the beginning that this is going to be a skill-based game both in Arena Commander and in the Persistent Universe. Yeah. But if, how are you going to get new weapons in the FPS module? I mean, is everybody... I guess, yeah, I guess I didn't really think of that. Maybe they wouldn't do any sort of progression system at all because they've never, they've never indicated any system like that would be in the game in any aspect. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and there's certainly cool stuff to get. I mean, in the demo, we saw them uh, using placeable shields, like personal shields that you yeah. could uh, throw down on the ground and hide behind. Um, and then but there's a hologram mechanic, and I'm not sure exactly how that's going to work, but apparently you're able to use that to uh, uh, trick people, um, maybe you know go rogue on them. Uh, and then there's different kinds of grenades, explosive grenades, and then the, they also uh, showed an EMP grenade being used. And then you had your pistols, assault rifles, and shotguns. So there's lots of stuff to 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 have. I guess what we don't understand is 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 there going to be a mechanic for getting all of that? Are we going to get it all up front? Um, how is it going to work? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, obviously, Arena Commander, the way it works now is you have to buy them with uec in the voyager direct store on rsi oh that could be that could be so maybe you you get you get uh, issued a pistol to start and then you have to spend five thousand credits to get an assault rifle maybe Maybe. it's possible because i i guess when the when the pu does come out you will be earning uec uh through doing quests and stuff Mm-hmm. And if you want to use weapons in in the uh, FPS module, then you have to pay real money, I guess. Or there's uh, ways to win money in the FPS module. Maybe, oh, yeah, that's maybe that's a possibility. If, it, if it's like a five-man King of the Hill sort of thing, maybe there's you know if you win you get five thousand. If you lose, if you come in, if you're the first one to get killed, you get you know five hundred. Or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. So I don't. Like I said, more questions. So. Yeah, I have a feeling though that this is going to be fairly fleshed out, and uh, it just it just seems that way because the first thing that we ever saw of um, the the uh, I guess it wasn't really Arena Commander at that point, but when they first showed like actually being able to fly your ship and stuff in space. Mm-hmm. Uh, all it really was was free flight and vandal swarm. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't even called arena commander at that point, and that was that was pretty basic. But this they're already showing. I don't I don't know how many it was, but maybe like six v six multiplayer with multiple different weapons. You know, they showed like laser weapons and ballistic weapons, and you know all the stuff that you listed. It just even at this point, um, over two months out, it feels it. It seems like it's going to be pretty fleshed out. So, mm-hmm. I would I would count on it being um, having more content than Arena Commander did at launch. Well, you know, and it's I think that part of that uh, can probably be attributed to that it's developed 
uh, by an outside company. Right. Uh, it, and we now know that uh, Redacted is actually Ilphonic. And uh, there was a sort of introduced meet Ilphonic sort of video, which we will um, link to in the show notes, that uh, they talked about their history and their kind of their philosophy for FPS stuff. And I guess they were the first company to actually push something out in CryEngine 3. So I think that that was one of the reasons why they got selected to help build this thing. So, yeah, if if you've ever played uh, like Crisis 3 or 4, um, based on the YouTube video that I watched of the gameplay, I think this is going to look at least as good as Crisis 4. Ah. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, we have we haven't seen anything uh, um, ugly yet. No. <laughs> but um, yeah. I mean, obviously this is CryEngine, but uh, they I think they know exactly what they're doing. Even you know even as good as Crytek themselves. And I think they're working pretty closely with Crytek to to build this. So So yeah, I don't think we'll be disappointed in the graphics department, especially uh at the first person level cuz obviously games look good the farther out the camera is. Mhm. Um so it's nice to see it zoomed in and uh you know get more up close and personal well did you see when they were showing the the different perspectives on the individual before they started the demo when they were showing the um perspective from the player's viewpoint and how when you look down you see your weapon in your hands it's not like in most fps where you're running around with holding the weapon up to your chest and looking down the sights it's, you know, you can actually see the weapon in your hands. And they were also showing where if you're running, you can see your breath uh, condensation on the inside of your visor. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it's that level of fidelity. Yeah, they're looking, being able to look down at the weapon is something that's going to be great for VR. Because mm-hmm. that means that your head is totally separate from your from your body. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to point in one direction and look in another direction, which is something that I'm pretty excited to do once I possibly get a Oculus if they ever if they ever release a <laughs> uh, consumer module or uh, whatever. Version. I, I think it's it's coming in time for Easter next year. That's my uh, my prediction. I hope so. They just mm-hmm. keep releasing these uh, developer developer builds, and it's like. I want one. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, it's really bad. They've got to, they've got to get the um, eyeglass wearer uh, functionality dealt with. It's like I, because I, I gotta have, I gotta wear glasses, and so you know, having that thing on my head, it's gotta, they gotta, gotta make that work, man. Well, I wonder if they could put some kind of lens in there that you could, you know, focus. I don't. I don't really know how glasses work, to be honest, because I've never worn them. But is that a thing that you think could work? I think so. I think that there's going to be some way that they are able to, with software, adjust the focus. But um, don't want to get too uh, 
ophthalmology nerd on you, but I have what's called an astigmatism, which means that I have a slightly different prescription in one eye than the other. Oh. So if it was to adjust in both eyes then it, uh, to the same prescription, then it would be um, wrong. Right. So, and, you know, that's, I think that's where a lot of people, from what I've heard, that's what a lot of people say makes you dizzy or sick or disoriented is when one eye is slightly off relative to the other one. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. But I'm sure they'll, I mean, I've seen it on the Oculus um, website, you know, people have, are, are bringing this up and they're addressing it. So it'll happen. Yeah. Easter Bunny's bringing me a pair. That's that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, and I the so we talked about the zero G combat. It was very very cool. Um, the thing that in, you know, obviously the the Redeemer which was a big uh, uh, event for a lot of people, the the folks in Australia when the Redeemer came on screen, it got like a standing ovation. People were just, you know, wowed by it. It has this these engines in the back that i'm assuming they're engines but it's like they sort of scissor and then yeah. there's like a electrical current that goes in the the space so it's just yeah, it's like a yellow ribbon yeah it's just like i mean i have no idea what that means in like real space travel terms but it just looks looks incredible yeah i wonder if the guys that made it knew it was going to be in there you know, that's I forget where it was that um, I read or I heard they were talking about uh, the guys that developed, the guys that won that contest because it was the next great spaceship contest. And at some point they handed it off to CIG and then CIG actually put it into the game. So, um, yeah, I wonder how they feel about the way that it turned out. You know, I mean, I mean, it's they have to be happy because it just it looks incredible. Yeah, I think I think like all of the modeling was done. I'm assuming that all CIG had to do was like put in the damage states and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, just the the final polish. Yeah, it's kind of an interesting ship. I don't know how I feel about it. It's kind of weird looking. <laughs> well, I think it's just a troop carrier, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think, think so. so. I um, think so. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I I like the way it looks. It's just that it has no like definitive design. Yeah. I don't know. It's. <laughs> I just don't know how I feel about it. Well, I didn't get one, so <laughs> that's how I feel about it. It did it just go up for sale? It did go up for sale, yeah. Cool. Uh, and uh, it and the Gladius both went up for sale. Oh in, yeah. In conjunction with the uh, with the PAX Australia event, and also the uh, the Drake Herald went up for right. sale. The and... Gladius is a really cool ship. It reminds me of like an SR seventy one. Hmm. Um. It's a. I don't know that ship, but uh, this one is supposed to be a dogfighter, and it looks like a dogfighter. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's a. It's, it's a dedicated dogfighter. This is like a Hornet class ship. Mm-hmm. I guess. And uh, it, like I say, it's on sale, and it went up for ninety dollars for the standalone ship. 
the Redeemer actually for the standalone, I believe, is two hundred and fifty. So we'll wow. see. We'll see how. No, I'm sorry. I take that back. Two sixty. So Ooh. we'll we'll see how well how well it does. But uh, a lot of people were excited for it. So I think that. Um, Probably folks in large organizations, you know, that are planning on doing, you know, big assaults, big planned assaults. I mean, they're going to need some of these to move move their troops around. So. I like the idea of it. I I think, yeah, I think a, a troop carrier is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And the engines are definitely very unique. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of like a pelican from uh, Halo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Um, but the thing in the whole presentation that I thought was just visually the coolest uh, was the gravity generator. Uh, yeah. Like in the in the second uh, gunfight, they one of the guys on I think it was the outlaw team went in and shut down the gravity generator, and they could have just had it be a switch on the wall, but instead it was just this really cool orb floating in this field of something you know something cool and outer spacey yeah and you know he pulls the the ship and like there's all these light fluctuations and it looks like um lightning and you know just all kinds of like really really cool visual stuff that they didn't have to do but they did put it in there just to make it that cool yeah i was that was my favorite part of it yeah so yeah, I'm, so I, I think a success, the uh, FPS reveal. I mean, it definitely, uh, I think uh, I came away satisfied that we're going to get something cool. For sure. I can't wait. This is um, this is the most excited I've been, I think, so far. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a good time to be here. Yeah. <laughs> So um, Friday was a busy day. We had the PAX Australia um, event, and like you said, they they released the uh, the Gladius and the Redeemer for sale, and they're hangar ready. So if uh, for folks that already had uh, pre-ordered either, the, I think they were both available at some at some prior time. So for folks that uh, already had one or uh, purchased them. Uh, this weekend, this last weekend, uh, they are in their hangars, so that's got to be exciting. And um, they also released uh, the patch we mentioned last week, uh, patch 13.02, I think it is. Um, yes, thir- no, 13.2 version 0.9.2 of Arena Commander. And uh, it introduced... Um, or it uh, included some, in addition to the ships, some fixes and balancing to old ships. I know they made some changes to the M50, also to the 350R. Um, Major changes in the flight control uh, schemes or schemas, and uh, Chris Roberts was very excited about that. He said that these changes have finally put Arena Commander in a place that he is happy with that he believes that these new control schemes uh, make the ships flyable in a way that he believes they should be able to be fly flown <laughs> so, <laughs> so 
So, I, I mean, to me, it was just, I mean, I, I still suck, but, you know, <laughs> to, to know that they're, that at least that they're not broken and uh, now it's on me to figure out how to use them, you know, uh, because in the past it's kind of like, oh, they're going to make changes, they're going to make changes, so I'm not going to, you know, spend a whole lot of time worrying how to overcome these challenges. I'll just wait until they fix it, and then I'll figure out how to use it. So yeah. Now the ball's in my court. Yeah, we'll have to jump in and uh, see how multiplayer is working. Yeah, yeah, I want to do that. Um, and they did. I think another thing that was pretty cool for, especially for guys like me that don't know this stuff because I'm just not that kind of nerd. They put out a tutorial discussing the changes to the, the flight controls, and uh, we'll uh, link that in the, the show notes as well. So um, I think that that, uh, spe- spe- particularly if you're using uh, mouse and keyboard, um, it shows how you switch between all of these different modes and, and, and what have you. So um, it's, because yeah, there's like a couple of them here, uh, they did ITTS enhancements, whatever that means. Um, the targeting HUD is different. Enhanced stick precision, ESP. Yeah, sounds cool. <laughs> no idea what it means. Um, but uh, dynamic zoom, drag to move. I know drag to move was a, was a big one. Uh, target focus, look ahead. Uh, so anyway, all this all this cool stuff. So it's there, and uh, Chris is happy with it. So I think that that's good. Yes. Yes. And um, let's see. We mentioned that the Gladius is on sale, ninety bucks. The, um, the Redeemer, two sixty. The new concept ship sale, uh, the Drake Herald. Very very cool ship. And I did go ahead and pick up one of these. Oh this, my uh, god. <laughs> yes, eighty five bucks. Eighty five bucks, and it's only on sale until uh, uh, the tenth of this month. So it, it'll be uh, going off. Uh, next Monday, so definitely uh, check it out. This thing is really unique. It's weird looking, isn't it? Yeah. It's just like, it's two giant engines with kind of a, a ship on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's got like a, a satellite dish on, on one side that kind of looks like you should be able to get free cable or something. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, it uh, has like a whole sensor array that pops up from the top. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a Pez dispenser. Just yeah. like, you know. And um, it, I it's, don't... It's really, honestly, I'm tempted to buy one myself. It's like, it, it has two, it's a two-seater, so you can mm-hmm. get two people in there. And uh, one of the images they have on the page for it uh, shows a guy standing up and there's like, beds in the back and uh there's like computers on the sides around his chair and then mm-hmm. there's the second chair uh the pilot chair uh, forward um yeah the 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 chair farther back is the data bay um mm. and it looks like you can like move your turn your chair and stuff to access all these screens and God, just just imagining using that in the game seems like something really cool. Yeah, you get to be like Mr. Spock at the science station. Yeah. Except that you're uh, you're like a cryptographer or something. Yeah. Yeah, it um and I don't think it has any guns to speak of. So, which is I kind of like because it's supposed to be really fast and uh-huh. 
I like to fly fast. And, uh, well, I guess it does have a, a small gun, but it's certainly not going to be an offensive uh, vehicle. It's going to be, it's built for get in, get out, um, don't get caught. It's probably one of the fastest ships. Yeah, I don't, um, again, I'm not the kind of nerd that can look at the uh, technical information and go, oh, yeah, yeah, it's um, it can uh, travel this many parsecs faster than this other ship. Um, so, yeah, it's, um, I want to read a little bit. They had uh, in the uh, webpage for it, and check it out because the webpage is very cool. Um, if you go there and you're logged in, it will show you as uh, an incriminated citizen. So this is uh, this is an information runner, and it's uh, you're trans you're going to be transporting very sensitive, uh, highly classified information. I'm guessing the implication here being about criminals, and so you get to be um, a criminal here amongst uh, amongst the other uh, the other rabble. One of the guys looks very much like Ice T. So um, <laughs> uh, if you ever wanted to be uh, be in the same uh, in the same cell as Ice T, there here's your chance. Uh, but in the in the some of the fiction that comes with it, there is a paragraph from the fictional designer, and a part a part of which I thought was pretty cool says, "On the surface, the Herald represents a significant advance in interstellar data transfer, but as we Drake team members know, its long-term implications for data interception, stream interruption, and even outright piracy are enormous. I'm proud of everything we've accomplished, and now I can't wait to see this baby fly. So, that sums it up perfect for me. I'm a, yeah, I'm a I, I can't part. wait to see uh, to see this thing in action. It'd be cool if it's just like the fastest ship in the game, but it has like horrible maneuvering or something. <laughs> so it's just like used for you know obviously it's the data runner but um if it just can go like crazy fast in a straight line you know obviously you couldn't use it for racing or something but yeah it it just those engines are so big it's ridiculous I know it's crazy it's like um like uh, the uh, the the Volkswagen Golfs I think where they put the so I think you used to be able to buy them with a V6 or a V8 in them, where it was just crazy. Yeah. It was just it was a little death machine. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. So that's, yeah, I, uh, I did go ahead and pick one of those up, and um, I'm, I'm, I, I see the end, the end of this tunnel. I, I, I do want the hospital ship when it comes out, but um, I am going to melt down the uh, Freelancer to get that, and I heard or read somewhere that when they offer the Mustang as a starter ship that we're going to be able to trade uh, the Aurora LNs straight across for the Mustang. Oh. Now, I, don't, I don't know that for a fact, but I did hear it or read about it in the forum. I think it was in the forums that I saw it, and someone sort of spoke about it like it was common knowledge. Well, it was the first time I heard of it, but um, I... If if that's the if that's the truth, then I'm all over that. Yeah. Because then I'll have a, I'll have a third racing ship that I can fly into the side of an asteroid. <laughs> and who doesn't want that? Cool. So um, uh, the October issue of uh, Jump Point came out, sort of rounding out the official CIG uh, news this week. 
the October issue of Jump Point made it out before the end of October. And uh, this month it featured an article on the development of the Cutlass variants. And I'm sorry Caleb's not here because they were talking about the uh, Cutlass Blue, which he has. And uh, the description there in the design document said that it's the Deluxe Cutlass. It's advertised as being a police ship for Outworld's militia. Uh, the Cutlass Blue generally and unsurprisingly makes its way into the hands of more well-equipped pirates. So it's a police ship, but it could also be used for e-ball. Um, it's sleeker, it's got a more tapered nose, it's meaner, it has a double missile loadout, so that is going to be an offensive ship. And uh, the internal cargo area can be modified, or is modified, to serve as a short-range brig for prisoners or a slave pen. So. This is the first I've heard of this, so I think this is kind of, I know in, in Elite Dangerous, at least in the fiction, that, this, that slave, slaves exist. Um, as far as I know, it's, there's no plans for it to be in the gameplay, but um, I, this, I thought, wow, is, is, it, is this going to exist in this world? I know they're trying to keep a teen rating, but, um, you know, intriguing. I wonder what that actually means like what purpose could a slave serve i guess maybe it would be like an npc that did work for you and you wouldn't have to pay them i don't know i mean i i i think of more like uh, factory nodes or planet side um sort of you know like farms or whatever i i don't i don't know this is the first i heard of it but it, that that when i read that it just jumped right out uh, off the page, I thought, huh, this this could add an interesting dynamic, and and I think uh, uh, definitely controversial. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, it was a design document, so it could be that that it never um, materializes. But I thought, ooh, right, Caleb, what do you think about that? <laughs> and um, they uh, they also talked about the Cutlass Red, which I have, and talked about it has. Um, it, it trades its class two gun for an additional tractor beam. So I guess in space battles, if there are uh, folks, you know, injured people floating around in space, I'll be able to, to suck them into uh, into a holding bay or something to to save them or to rescue them. And that uh, it also it has the auto dock as we discussed before and uh, uh, advanced transponder system, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. Anyway, I just thought um, usually the um, the jump point magazine stuff is is um, is um, more lore heavy. So, but I just this article jumped out at me. I wonder if they're gonna come out with a ship that covers like all the bases, kind of like the Enterprise. Um, I think that they want. Well, I think the Constellation is sort of that ship um, to some extent. You know that it can do pretty much everything, right? Well, yeah, but not at all at the same time. I guess I'm thinking of something that could, it could do science, uh, it could uh, do dogfighting, maybe not like dogfighting, but combat, um, mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, have a hospital, you know, a med bay, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that kind of stuff, like the Enterprise, you know? <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe the Idris is supposed to be that ship. Could be. I mean, could, but you're kind of in that... At that point, you're talking about a floating city, really, right? Yeah. I mean, 
the Enterprise is pretty big. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, like, families that live on it, right? So, yeah, you know, you have, like, schools and uh, entertainment, movie theater, holodecks, you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, yeah I, I do believe that they want to make having a role be a thing. So I don't know if in some sort of end game scenario, you would have a floating city that can do pretty much anything at least reasonably well. I don't know. That's, that's an interesting idea. I mean, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of my end game dream is to have a ship like that and be the captain of it. And I guess all the role, the other roles would be played by NPCs. And then if I had friends that wanted to come aboard, they could substitute for those NPCs. Mm-hmm. Well, I know the the 890 Jump has uh, is you know obviously it's a it's a luxury yacht, but uh, what I've read, it's also a formidable um, battleship too. It's got it's got fairly good weaponry on it. It's also supposed to be pretty fast, so, you know, maybe something like that, but maybe with some additional stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I I guess the Idris is the ship that it's, it excites me the most. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they have plans to release more ships of that size or maybe even bigger. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's they've got so many big ships in the pipeline now, you know, with the Reclaimer and the 890 and the Idris. Um, and then the, uh, what's the one, the uh, the Carrick, which I believe is going to be the next concept sale. Uh, that's coming up, so. That's the merchant ship, isn't it? The Carrick, I believe, is the exploration ship. That's the deep oh. space exploration ship. Okay. So, um Never say never. <laughs> you know. I need uh, I need my Orion. Yes. That's my gateway ship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can I can feel it. I feel it it's burning for you, man. <laughs> so um uh, so, you know, I thought uh, with the event last week, uh, you know, I'd like to see what it is that uh, the rest of the world thinks about uh, about the event and what happened there. And so I went to the uh, forums and uh, looked for a couple of opinions about uh, what happened. And there was a lot of people that were kind of like us that were like, you know, oh, my God, that was awesome. That was great. And I can't, you know, you know, I, I love this game and I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, there were also a few people that were, were disappointed. And um, I'll start off with a positive review. Um, a uh, subscriber on the forums named Energy, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, said, Woot! Uh, that rocked for an alpha display. Lots of work done. The game is will seriously mess up my work schedule. I, I anticipate that as well. Um, I hope to be able to search derelict or old for, or all NPC or player ships and or asteroids or bases, not just military structures or ships only. Planet cities. I know you can land and use the ATV to get around, but will there be missions? So, I mean, you know, kind of like us, you know, excited and inspired by what he saw. And it, of course, more questions. It's like, you know, oh my God, that's so awesome. Will I be able to do what I saw on a planet? Will I be able to go to a city and, you know, hijack a building or something? Right. 
you know. But then there was another uh, review that I found uh, uh, from a subscriber named Voltaire, and he said, the FPS looks just like every other FPS with a focus on eye candy and no intimate connection to the avatar. I was under the impression that Star Citizen was a simulation, not a mere game. In the FPS, it was just a run-and-gun shooter with no appearances of being a simulation. It was gimmicky with the gravity element, but just the same uh, with everything else. So, uh, which, you know, at first, you know, I, I kind of like, oh, wow, you know, that w way to go make uh, everyone else's yum your yuck. But I think, you know, it's, it's a, an interesting point that he brings up, that this is supposed to be a simulation, and I haven't played a lot of tactical FPS games, so I wanted to ask you, do you think that this is um, sort of on that extreme? Is it on the simulation extreme of the FPS where it is more real and that you are going to be constrained like you would be in in a real actual situation, a uh, firefight situation, or um, were there some liberties uh, such that it is going to be more, a little bit closer to the run and gun than perhaps uh, we had expected? Well, Chris has said multiple times that they are trying to make the game as immersive as possible uh, without making it not fun. Mm -hmm. And personally, from this FPS, it looked like the perfect balance to me. Okay. It sounds kind of like this guy is into first-person uh, shooter combat in, like, the Arma games, which okay. is just too technical for my taste. Okay. Um, but it's not as arcadey as like battlefield okay i think it 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 sits i would say that it sits based on what i've seen obviously um i think it sits like right between arma and battlefield and i think okay. that's a good place to be that for me personally i think that looks like a lot of fun um obviously everybody has their own taste there's going to be guys that are more into the Arma-like shooters, and there's going to be people that are more into uh, not even Battlefield, but Call of Duty, which is arguably more arcadey than Battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, so it just depends on your taste. I think, I think it seemed like a simulation. I mean, there wasn't too much HUD. There was just enough. Um, it was kind of cool when they zoomed in uh, it wasn't looking down. Were there iron sights? Yeah, there were. Yes. Um, so there was a zoom in, which was uh, kind of like cropping it. Hmm. What what game does this? Um, hmm. It so there was there's regular view mode. Then there was a zoom in. Then there was also iron sights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought it was cool when they zoomed in, the HUD disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe when it, when they did iron sights as well. Um. Well, I know Chris has said in the past that, you know, the most important thing, the most important aspect, I shouldn't say most important, but a very important aspect of gameplay for him is the immersion. Right. And so if you're going to be so simulation precise 
doesn't it at some point kind of turn into a real-time strategy game where you're not you're not so much in the game as much as you're thinking about the game you know how realistic is it how real is this yeah and i don't I know. mean if if you wanted it there there's a cutoff point and there has to be because if you went for 100 percent immersion mm-hmm. you would die instantly and then you wouldn't be able to play the game ever again <laughs> right. <laughs> right right exactly <laughs> And then we're back into the whole death mechanic conversation, and we don't need to go back there. <laughs> yeah, which is, yeah. I mean, death is like the number one immersion-breaking thing in video games, and it always has been. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that that is if you're thinking about that constantly, which I'm not. Uh, but, yeah, I guess it just comes down to your personal preference. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I just thought it was is interesting, you know, the um, and the the zero G stuff he thought was a bit gimmicky. Um, I don't know what real zero G combat would look like, you know. I mean, I've only seen it in the movies, so I I don't know. I, I thought he brought up some good points, and so I, I you know, it's nice to have some balance. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and then kind of, you know, looking at other places where people were talking about what happened, uh, Star Signal Star Signal podcast, episode number 18, came out today, and they had an interview. I guess one of the guys on that show uh, lives in Australia, and he uh, went to the con and was able to get a sit-down with Chris Roberts, and uh, I highly encourage you to listen to it. Uh, the um, um, I think you... Chris came across very level-headed. I was very impressed by the way he came across. He was very, very upfront, very matter-of-fact about things and seemed to have a really good grasp on on where things are in the process and uh, and has a very strong focus on, on the goal. So, you know, I think way back in one of our first episodes, we had kind of talked about, uh, because this was at the time when... Uh, Microsoft, uh, the Microsoft purchase of Minecraft or of Mojang was in the news and um, how I think I had mentioned that I was kind of concerned about what was going to happen with Minecraft and, you know, saying, you know, I hope Chris Roberts is going to turn out to be a better, um, better at dealing with these high pressure situations that these guys go through being in charge of these, these huge um, companies or, you know, significant companies, uh, uh, than uh, than was than it appears that Notch was. So anyway, I'm very reassured by how he came across in this, and I feel good going forward that he is going to uh, be able to see this through. So um, definitely check that out. And uh, they didn't really talk about um, a whole lot of fun or cool stuff, but uh, they did uh, the topic of the vehicle insurance did come up and how much it was going to cost. I know for folks in the whole LTI or not to LTI debate, folks are saying, you know, well, how much is this really worth? And he sort of, you know, put that to rest and said, you know, look, it, it's going to, obviously it's going to be, if you have a bigger ship, it's going to cost more to insure it than a smaller ship. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, you're going to be able to um, earn enough money in a mission or two to pay for it. So it's not going to be something where you're spending half of your playing time just trying to maintain your ship. I wonder how it's going to work. I mean, we've been asking this for a while, but is it going to be like an automatic subscription thing that 
takes money out of your bank or does it remind you that you have to pay for your ship? I would imagine that once you have like half a dozen ships or something, it would kind of start to get annoying if it's a manual thing that you have to keep doing. You know, maybe it can be like real life where you can set up automatic bill pay um, right. or you can uh, you can purchase it uh, uh, for just a specific period of time and then it'll lapse after that. You would have to think that at some point somebody is going to lose their ship because they didn't have it insured. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that that uh, the game will do a good job of warning you that it's not insured. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe there would be instances where... I wonder if the timer keeps clicking uh, if you're not actually playing. That's a good question. I'll bet you it does. Because I know, like, on when I bought my Aurora, it said that I get six months of insurance with it. Right. So, um, I'm assuming that that's six months of of real world uh, yeah. ins- insurance and not six months of in game. <laughs> um, so yeah, might I, as I well s- have LTI at that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boy, I wish I had LTI uh, on uh, on my car here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, so I think uh, I think that that's I that's that's you know it's really weird. It's one of those hot button topics that. Um, that people really get upset about and so yeah it's um, it it really is weird because insurance is a thing that they've talked about since the beginning but they haven't talked about it at all mm-hmm. <laughs> like they we know that our ships have insurance and that you can get a ship with lti but we have no idea how insurance works really no no we don't know we know that if the ship, if we have insurance and the ship gets destroyed, we have to wait for a new one to be manufactured. Which, if you're getting an Aurora, you know, it's probably less of a hassle than if you're trying to replace an Idris because it does actually have to go through the manufacture process wherever it is in the universe that that particular kind of ship is being made. I'm guessing like the Aurora is going to be one of the is going to be made everywhere, you know. Yeah. But but the Idris is only going to come perhaps from a particular system. So you have to wait for it to be manufactured and then it has to be delivered. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, we don't know again, more questions. We don't know how it's actually going to work, but, um, it's definitely going to be there. Yeah. So that's very cool. And then finally, um, uh, Chris was asked about, um, this sort of dovetails into a couple of questions that I've sent to Chris before, um, how um, and the the way that the interviewer referred to it is nonprofit roles, which I thought was sort of interesting because he's from Australia where um, uh, healthcare is is handled by the government, and uh, so he saw the ambulance drivers, the you know the folks in the in the Cutlass Red like like uh, like I have, as being a nonprofit role, like they don't get paid, like it just it's there. Yeah. And uh, and Chris pointed out. He said, "Well, I, you know, actually, in the United States, uh, healthcare is 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 very profitable for some people." <laughs> but um, uh, he asked the guy, you know, he says, "How are these sorts of roles going to be incentivized in the game?" And uh, Chris sort of he didn't give any specifics, which I was just you know pounding on my desk while I was listening to this, going, "Mike, give me, I want the actual mechanic, <laughs> how it's going to work." But, <laughs> 
he just suggested, he said, that, you know, that other players are, are going to hire people to do this. He said, imagine a big organization, they are going to need someone to follow them into battle to provide this service. They're going to need people to refuel them, to resupply their, their armaments. They're going to need someone to tend to their uh, soldiers when they get injured. So there, you know, there will be agreements between groups of, of, of players. And I'm assuming also uh, for when there are no players present, NPCs will fill the roles both on the supply or the demand side. And uh, but he didn't. Um, he didn't actually, you know, give the specific mechanic of is there going to be, you know, like a, an insurance sort of thing. Will you work for a local municipality or not? I guess there wouldn't be municipalities in in space. But would you work for the government in some level of government in providing these services? Um, so I'm I'm convinced that because I've submitted these questions, that Chris is actually dodging the question because it's me. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, that I thought that was that was fun. So definitely, uh, Star Signal uh, episode eighteen, check it out. Um, I like I like their guys show and um, uh, Guard Frequency also came out today and they they uh, they had a recap which was very similar to ours. I think they there was some stuff was cool, some stuff they they thought was uh, was um, was as they expected, some stuff was new. Um, but I would like to point out that, that I, I have submitted questions to their podcast and they do answer my emails. So, you know, Chris oh, nice. yeah, Chris, pay attention. <laughs> and speak, speaking of Chris, there was no, um, 10 from the chairman or 10 for the chairman, uh, this week. So, um, all these, uh, all these questions hopefully will get answered next week. Cool. Yep. And so, um, uh, for the topic of the week, um, I what kind of occurred to me was because I know that um, uh, Caleb and I have been playing a lot of Borderlands together, and I know you've been playing um, several other games on your Twitch stream, and so it just sort of uh, occurred to me to, to to ask myself at what point do I see or do we see Star Citizen taking up a significant portion of our gaming time? You know, I mean, we all have jobs. We all need to, you know, do other stuff. So, um, you know, we have to, the time we have to game, we have to uh, divide up amongst, across all the stuff that we want to play. And uh, like right now, Star Citizen just isn't taking up that much, much time. But um, when do you think that you're going to start investing more time into it? Well, I, I want to start, doing more star citizen content for my twitch stream uh like right now because at this point there are very few people covering it on twitch and i want to get that content out there because i want to get the game i want to show it off to people so that people can understand how awesome it is Mm -hmm. every once in a while there will be a post on like ign covering star citizen uh, and and the comments are almost always people complaining about the crowdfunding goals that they have and that they're still crowdfunding after they have millions of dollars. And they really just don't understand what the game is, what it's about, what it's doing. And I think uh, if I could help people understand that at this point, it would be it would be good. Mm hmm. Um. To be perfectly honest, though, 
I am not crazy into dogfighting. Right. But I do want to play... I want to play right now so that I can understand how to do it so that when, like, the PU comes out and I need to know those skills, I will have them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but when FPS comes out, I'm definitely going to be jumping in there and uh, playing that because FPS is my game. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I think uh, that when... Um, Arena Commander 1.0 launches. I, that's when I think things are going to change. And I think one of the, the most important aspects of that is going to be the lobby system. Because right now, I don't feel like you can go out and, and easily find other people to play with, you know? Right. If there's a lobby system, I think it's going to be a lot um, more productive time spent in-game. Right. And um, I do, I do want to build up uh, the those guys with ships organization. Um, uh-huh. I think, uh, I think that that's going to be uh, a priority for me uh, coming up here towards the end of the year, uh, because I, I want to have more friends to play the game with, and uh, you know, I want to, you know, hopefully develop a um, a, a good star system community uh, that we can, you know, all share the game together. So. Yeah, back um, on the previous site, before Heroes Tavern, uh, used to be a part of uh, GamingAfterDark.com, mm-hmm. um, and that community really grew when uh, we were doing Guild Wars 2. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a ton of people come in, and it was awesome because uh, on our uh, voice server, everybody would just join up and... Uh, Typically, people would be playing Guild Wars 2, uh, and you could tell based on what channel they were in on the voice server on Mumble. Um, but even when we weren't playing Guild Wars 2, we would always just jump in Mumble, see what people were doing, and then decide on a game to play. And that was just a really fun time. And if we could build that up with uh, those guys with ships, I think that'd be, that'd be pretty fun. Because cause we're really... With this organization, we're really focused on having fun. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, we'll we'll be doing you know some more serious ops when the PU comes out, but we want to make sure that everybody's just having a good time. And I hope that uh, I hope that yeah we can we can grow it to the point that we have uh, a lot of people that want to play every night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's when I um. Uh, met you and became aware of uh, of this group is with Guild Wars 2 and I joined uh, Gaming After Dark and the Tempest Knox uh, Guild and it was it was a lot of fun and it was you know you knew that when you logged on there was usually going to be somebody that you could get together with and uh, even if you were just doing some really um, routine boring stuff like you know just getting your daily achievements or what have you um, it was always it was fun to go do that with somebody else you know yeah so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to uh, to uh, trying to to make that happen for this game and um, so I I think that uh, version 1.0 of Arena Commander is going to make that job a lot easier. Yeah, I I've actually I I know a lot of people that play games 
and really don't understand how beneficial being part of a community can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a lot of friends that don't that aren't part of any communities at all, uh, but they play a ton of different games and they like to play with other people. Um, and honestly, I I was never really part of any sort of community until I found Gaming After Dark through their podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and after after joining them and uh, and uh, really really the Mumble server kind of it brings people together. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting. You wouldn't think oh it's just a voice server, um, but but it's just being able to see what people are playing just based on that and then being able to join up with them, chat, and find out what, what's going on for the night. Um, it just nurtures a lot of great experiences. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, yeah. that's that's what, you know, for me, that's what online, that's when online gaming is its best. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. So... So, John, what have you been playing? I haven't been playing a ton of stuff. Um, been kind of busy, but I did get a chance to jump into the Evolve Big Alpha this weekend. Um, so that ran from Friday to today, actually. Um, it's over now, but I played like three of those nights and... I had a lot of fun. So, if you haven't heard of this game, it's a 4v1 multiplayer game. Uh, it's a first-person shooter. Uh, four people are hunters, and the last person is a monster. Uh, this monster spawns into a big arena and has to basically try to go... on. Uh, Go out and eat uh, the wildlife on this. It's some. It's some like made-up planet or something where there's like alien wildlife, and uh, the monster has to go out, eat the wildlife until it has enough energy or whatever to evolve into a bigger, more powerful form. Uh-huh. Um, and it'll get uh, crazy attacks like fire breath, and it can throw giant rocks and stuff. Um, and uh, there's there's cool stuff like if you crawl as the monster, which is slower, uh, you won't make tracks. But if you're running at full speed, you'll make tracks that the hunters can come in and track. Um, so after a few seconds, uh, while the monster's like running away, uh, the four hunters spawn in, and each each hunter is a different class. So there's a healer. A support class, um, a trapper class, and the assault class, and they all have different weapons that do completely different things. Uh, you have a special ability, uh, which will be like putting out a healing burst from the the medic, uh, or making everybody invincible for a certain amount of time. Uh, or the trapper has a cool thing where he can put down a mobile uh, arena. I think it's called. And it's basically a giant dome that huh. if if the monster is inside that area when he drops it, he can't leave that dome for like 
40 seconds or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, there's a bunch of cool stuff in there, and it's it's actually developed by the guys that did Left 4 Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a really fun co-op game. Um, it's hard to say how much lasting fun it's going to be when they actually release it, which I think it's coming out in, like, February. Oh, okay. Um, but at this point, it's kind of weird because there's only literally the one mode, which is you trying to track down the monster. And so hopefully they'll be announcing more modes and more uh, arenas and uh, hunters and monsters and stuff. Uh, but I did how, have how, a lot of fun with it. How do you decide who plays the monster? Well, if you're partying up with people, none of the people in your party can be the monster. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, just because it's competitive and technically you could like farm XP or whatever. Oh, okay. Uh, so you have to go in by yourself if you're going to be the monster. And it's just... So the way it works actually is you basically queue up the roles you would like to play in the order that you want to play them. Okay. So if you want to be the medic, you would put that one first in your queue of five different roles. Okay. Uh, so you just put those, you know, in the order from one to five. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll try to give you that one uh, every time. If that's So if the medic is the first one, it'll try to give you that one if... I'm, I'm not sure how it works if two people have the medic as their number one. Uh, it probably just goes random there. But okay. if nobody else has their medic as number one, you're going to get medic. Uh, but it is... It, it's not... You can't just choose every time. Okay, but you, but you are able to choose the people that you play with, the other hunters you play with. Right, yeah. There is okay. like a lobby system, you know. You just use Steam to invite them to your lobby and then go into matchmaking and find other people if you don't have uh, four people to go in with. Obviously, that the monster is going to be around a person every time. It okay. kind of has to be, I guess. Did you try playing the monster? I did. I played the monster a few times and I got owned every time. <laughs> <laughs> it's really tough. It's That is the class that I think is going to take the most uh, getting used to. Because mm-hmm. obviously when you're playing as a hunter, there's three other people that can potentially back you up. Right. Um, obviously each role as a hunter is very important. Like if the, if the medic isn't doing their job, people are going to go down. And uh, so there is a reviving mechanic. If you, if you get – if you take enough, enough damage, you'll go into like a fight for your life state where you can still shoot but you can't move. Mm-hmm. Um. But even in that state, the monster can come over and wail on you even more and then totally kill you. Yeah. And then at that point, there is, like, timed uh, dropship points, which are, like, two minutes long. So every, like, two minutes, the dropship will come in, um, which is kind of cool because if, like, three people go down, um, they will all spawn in at the same time. And uh, the spawning in mechanic is actually, it reminds me of Titanfall. Did you play Titanfall at all? You know, I did not. Oh, okay. Um, Well, when you spawn in, in this game and in Titanfall, you spawn in in a, like, a carrier 
like a troop carrier and you'd like skydive in, which was pretty neat. Um, but yeah, it's a pretty fun game. I liked, I liked playing it. Uh, like I said, we'll have to see what it's going to be like at launch, but I'm excited. There's going to be actually a beta before launch, uh, they they call this an alpha, but it's obviously like totally finished. Other than doing like balancing and fixing like server side issues and stuff like that. Uh, so I assume the beta will be pretty much the same thing with more content. And actually, I was really impressed with the servers. I didn't disconnect. I don't think a single time. Oh, that's uh, good. So yeah, it, it was pretty impressive how how well it ran, and it looks really good too. Yeah, I watched you guys uh, playing on Twitch while I was playing Borderlands, and uh, visually, I thought it was really, really um, uh, impressive. And I was sort of surprised when I realized it was actually an alpha because, uh, you know, the gameplay seemed to flow pretty well. Yeah, you know, they like to do these these quotes alpha uh, versions for triple a games mm-hmm. but if it's a triple a game and and it's an alpha it's really not an alpha it's a beta i mean they did alpha with destiny as well and that game was finished i mean <laughs> yeah they, they there's just no no such thing as a triple a alpha if you ask well, me it's like you know Chris says about Star Citizen is that alpha is function complete, content incomplete. Then beta is function and content complete, and then from there you go to full release. So um, if that's the way, if 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 you're not on the day Z alpha uh, plan, <laughs> then <laughs> you know maybe uh, maybe that makes sense. I would call day Z a, a a dev build, like pre alpha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so broke it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um as I said, I've been playing um quite a bit of Borderlands uh with uh, Caleb's help I was able to finish the main story. Um so um that was a, a lot of fun. Uh and there had there was for the for the this last weekend uh some Halloween DLC which they kicked down for free so you didn't have to actually go out and pay anything extra but it was a little bit different than DLC Borderlands 2 DLC where uh, you went to a new area this was an act- an existing area but they put some Halloween themed stuff in there and apart from uh, candy that you picked up that just translated into money the only drop I found was a um, shotgun uh, that fires exploding pumpkins uh, from I don't know if you remember uh, Deadlift. We uh, we ran that uh, that mission a couple of times uh, together, and um, so you had to go. and He was the uh, the the boss at the end of uh, of that area, and so I had to I had to run him a couple of times to actually get him to drop the shotgun. But I got that, and so it's which one exciting. is Deadlift? Is that the guy with all the jump pads? Yeah, and the he would punch the ground and electrify. Oh it. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I figured out, actually, after I uh, went through the first time and didn't get a, a drop on the shotgun and, you know, made a frowny face, um, I went and exited the map on the backside and then came back through, so it reset, and I was able to sneak up behind him 
and uh, uh, put a rocket uh, between his shoulder blades and <laughs> uh, nice. get it, get it to drop that way. Cool. So, and I, I played a little bit of uh, Destiny on um, on PS3, and I'm still enjoying that. I'm trying to trying to get my uh, FPS controller skills ready for uh, uh, for the FPS module. And uh, and I did I picked up uh, the uh, Far Cry Four. Oh. Um, pre-order, and I'm really looking forward to playing that. Um, the um, if you if you do the pre-order, you get a harpoon gun, which just is just awesome looking. Well, the whole game is just awesome looking. Yeah. So I'm um, looking forward to uh, to playing that. And I think you mentioned that you were going to uh, possibly pick that up and uh, uh, stream some of that on Twitch. Yeah, I I think I'm going to. I mean, I I really enjoy Far Cry. Far Cry 2 and Far Cry 3. I've never played the first Far Cry. Um, mm. Far Cry 3 I really enjoyed. Um, I kind of liked that Far Cry 2 was a little more immersive because uh, it, it did cool stuff like you had to look down at your GPS or uh, map that like is actually in your hand. Um, mm-hmm. So there was almost, there was pretty much zero HUD in that game. Um, wow. But then Far Cry 3 put in more HUD uh, it took out the immersive like looking at the map stuff um, and it added crafting which I never really liked in that game it, it was it's kind of weird because you just put you you can craft at any time mm-hmm. you don't even need a crafting table or anything so yeah Tomb Raider the, le- the last Tomb Raider was kind of like that that you would go around busting up uh chests or crates and collect uh, raw materials and then once you had enough raw materials then you would just stop in the middle of a stream and build a new compound bow mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> so I mean it, it, it didn't that part of it didn't work but the Far Cry 4 actually some of the the scenery reminds me a little bit of the uh, the tumor did you play ever play that I didn't last... no it was really good game the yeah. um, uh, it uh, uh, on a South Sea island kind of thing, and it was um, visually very, very impressive. So yeah, I've played all of the Uncharted games, and I heard that Tomb Raider is similar to those. Yeah. So, well, excellent. Well, we once again have gone way, way long, but um, you know, it's all good stuff. And uh, PAX Australia, very exciting. FPS, very exciting. Um, new ships, very exciting. So, we had a lot to talk about. For sure. Yep. So anyway, I am uh, I am the John that's known as Gleep, and you can find me in the Those Guys with Ship Ships Star Citizen organization. I'm on the forums and on Twitter and Steam. Check the show notes for how to spell my name. <laughs> you can find me at the Only Jonto on Twitter and Steam. Uh, you can also find my YouTube and Twitch. At the only John Connor. Yes, check him out. He's a he's a very good Twitch broadcaster. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, you can uh, hit up the show uh, at uh, theversecast at gmail dot com, uh, and as well as uh, at versecast on Twitter. Um, you know, send us uh, any questions you may have, any comments. Uh, tell us if you like the show. Tell us if you didn't like something about the show, or 
uh, if you didn't like me or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no, nobody doesn't like you. <laughs> and um, I should mention we're going to be off next week. I'm going to be traveling, so uh, we won't be able to record next week, but expect to be back the week after that. I don't know what the date is, but it's the week before the week of Thanksgiving. So um, I'm sure that we'll have uh, lots to talk about uh, by then. So... Uh, please do come back and check us out uh, around that time. And uh, make sure to uh, check us out on RSI, robertspaceindustries.com slash orgs slash versecast. We are those guys with ships. Uh, join up with us. Uh, we are friendly people. <laughs> yes, we are. Um, and please rem- uh, review us on iTunes. Just search for the Versecast. We would really appreciate any review that you leave positive or negative <laughs> just anything <laughs> right, we don't cool. i don't think we have yeah we don't have any reviews we would really appreciate one review <laughs> <laughs> all right well until next time then goodbye <laughs> we'll see you in the verse <laughs> bye bye bye